1: And now grassroots marketing takes our micros out to Boston, Massachusetts. We're going to talk to folks of a dispensary that from a gentleman who has actually had some recent travels to Los Angeles, Colorado, Washington State, and Toronto to visit invested companies. Highlighting the dedication to expanding their knowledge and network within the cannabis industry and sells providing the dispensary that aims up the level of each community by creating opportunities for the local residents and working with their communities to go and do so. So the the dispensary is called Low-Key Dispensary. I'm here with one of the co-founders, Jeff Similian. Jeff, thanks for being on. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it, man. I'm happy to be here today. A lot of things going on with what has been brought on with what you're doing right now with Low-Key Dispensary. And first of all, the fact, what can you tell me, first of all, was this part of uh, independently that you provided you privately funded and you got the licensing for it. Was this under a social equity licensing program? Tell me how low key dispensary came to be initially in Massachusetts.
2: Yes, absolutely. So Loki came about when uh, in 2014, 15, um, I, I was, I'm a commercial real estate broker and I started helping out, uh, you know, clients, tenants, find local space. And I started receiving calls from um, operators in in Colorado and other states, you know, interested in coming into Massachusetts um, because, again, it was becoming um, cannabis was uh, becoming well to be on the ballot. So, you know, they obviously, you know, got got ahead, started to get ahead of the game. So I started receiving those phone calls. And then once it became legal in 2016, uh, one of my attorneys basically told me about the license for me to apply for it, um, the Economic Empowerment license. Um, and I believe that the deadline was about in April. So on um, my head, I went on and applied for the license and I was one of the awardees of the license. And um, so that's pretty much how I, I basically got myself into the into the cannabis industry, given the fact that the academic empowerment will give me a heads up. A leg up on on most um, businesses, so I basically say, you know what? Let me just leverage my skills and my ideas and what I know um, from from the real estate and from business and from sports, and leverage all that knowledge and apply it to the cannabis industry. So now I'm taking from a story from the
1: Dorchester Reporter. They talk about the fact of how there have been dispensaries trying to get state approvals for marketing and just getting themselves open, but there's been a number of those that have been trying to get permits and a lot of steep learning curves, five years of meetings, cobbling together financing, completing endless number of applications, and some of them are business, and some are opening soon. So with what's been going on, it's obviously been a lot to try to get low-key up and going. So one of the areas I wanted to go and cover was the fact that you've had some major delays, and there was a false, a lawsuit that your team recently filed against a former business partner where there was Business under a fashion that caused corruption and embezzlement. You know what? And it's, it's unfortunate that when you have some people that are embedded into a process like this and want to get into the business, that some some people you just, I would imagine that the trust factor you have for some people to come in on board initially, that there are always some companies, we always hear it all the time, where some bad actors come in and really make it, become a detriment and really hurt the start of a business or just getting it growing.
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I learned in, over time, you know, at being in business is that there's a difference between um, people that you, you do business with and people that you're, you're a business partner. There's a huge difference between those two, right? People that you, you could do business with a person and being a business partner is another different um, ball game. So that's something that I basically just learned over time in this process here. Um, and that's basically the most expensive lesson that I've learned in business thus far. You know, so again, I just want to make sure that people do understand that again, you could do business with certain individual, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be business partner with that person. So, you know, in, in my case, you know, I learned that, you know, and I was able to, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to pivot and, 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 um, rescue the business from, um, uh, from the potentially of, uh, of, of, failing. Um, and we was, you know, we were able to, um, maneuver and, 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 and finish construction and get, um, get our final licensing and
1: now, I got to commend your team for the persistence and, and be able to go ahead and just survive several pretty big obstacles because not only did you have this with the issue with one of your former partners being put on this, also in the story from Dorchester, talking about the fact that how when you were looking to go and open up the dispensary, it was supposed to be last year, but it didn't happen until the summer because of the fact of an inexperienced construction contractor setting the operation back significantly. So it's what those things where when we talk about social equity licensing and we're talking about people that are getting, you know, businesses open, I mean, first of all, you only got, so, there's only, the the funding that you're getting right now just to get everything up and going and any kind of delays or any kind of issues that could come in the way, many dispensaries might not even be able to be open or might not even have the funding to go ahead and continue to wait to get to this point. But you had to wait a year to get to this, plus the lawsuit and the dispensary still made it and you still got to open and you got through there. So you make a point, and you talked to the Dorchester reporter. And you said that on future projects, quote, we'll identify with individuals with extensive experience who know what it takes to build out cannabis facilities. And this is things that any business owner can go through. Any small business owner can imagine. These are the kind of issues they have. Where you I mean you're you're trusting on who you're going to bring on board, but as some people, if they don't, if they're either in or they're just simply you know incompetent. There's only so much you can do about that, but that's one of the parts where all these things can really take down the initial intent of what this the, the mystery could have been. Uh, you know, talk to me about you know being able to persevere.
2: Yeah, I mean that, that was uh, that was a challenge of his own. I mean, this year was you know beginning of the year was was very challenging because again, I was coming off an injury um, last year. I ruptured my Achilles. Oh. Um, man. You know, so I spent the last four months pretty much, you know, just in rehab. And so the moment that I basically just got back on my foot, that's when I started dealing um, with the, you know, um, with with the downfall that I just witnessed. I saw that was that was that was up. That was coming, right? With with, with the construction, so I pretty much had to get hands on in that process and, and had to put, you know, basically my entire life on pause. Right? I, I had I, I I had a child, uh, my second daughter in February this year. So I, so I had to deal with that. I had to deal with, you know, coming off, like I said, coming off injury, coming up, um, deal with my, uh, I'm a real estate broker dealing with, you know, my other business, I also have a nonprofit. So just really just managing all those businesses and everything else that I had, that was supposed to basically just be smooth selling at some point, but because I had to take step, step away and really just give my all to this construction project, because at the end of the day, we were able to raise money and we have investors family and friends who who are investors in here so you know i have to all up my integrity to make sure that this is a success right so i don't have to explain anything to anybody you know what i mean so right. um so so again it was just like everything has to be on pause and i'm fortunate enough to want to have a a, a wife that understand you know what was at stake here so she basically came on board and and decided to help and and, and brought in Um, you know, my CFO, we brought in, you know, more investors and basically just was willing, able to, to persevere. Um, I'm Haitian, you know, Haitian born. So, you know, we have it in our blood that, you know, we, we could overcome. So, um, you know, that was, that was just something that I had decided to do. So overcoming is, is, is just something that, you know, my, my ancestors been, been doing, you know, since the beginning of our time. So this was just another opportunity and just another situation that, I had to persevere. I had to overcome to get me to this point. Here.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I don't even know if you're able to do it. You know, it being of Haitian descent, I'm of uh, my family's of Cuban descent. The fact that we want to do this, well, let's just go ahead and, at a completely different climate. let's go ahead and we're Haitian. We're going to go with, in Massachusetts where it's always cold. So it's just like, it's not Miami. It's not like, you know, South, you know, in the South or anything like that, uh, Southern United States, things like that in a very warmer climate, you really put yourself in a spot. Now, and you're absolutely right about the Haitian people. I mean, we know that they're, they're just, it is something about, you know, it's perseverance. It's a work ethic. It's just a drive. And honestly, I almost feel like it's a, it's a stubbornness to just not fail. That just is not it's not, it's not in the vocabulary. It's just not programmed inside of some of the people I, you know, that I've known that have worked really well. And, you know, any kind of sidetracks or any kind of setbacks they go through, they just continue to persevere. I got a friend of mine right now, you know, that worked in the radio and, you know, I remember when I first worked with him, I'll try to make the story short. So he was working and, you know, programming radio stations and doing a lot of things where he was doing coverage for the Haitian community, the diaspora, the diaspora here in the U.S., trying to get reports and information from, you know, the home country and doing all that. And then there was an issue where he had to let go of these radio stations that he had owned, which one of them, I helped him get his first radio station off the ground. He was able to go and buy it because I got him the connection to be able to get to the right person so that he can go ahead and get into an agreement and then eventually acquire the station and acquire a couple other stations, but then he had to sell them off. And now he's, you know, he's back in, uh, he's now the, an entrepreneur back in Haiti working, you know, he's operating a restaurant. He's doing really well with it, but it's like you go through these setbacks, you change, you move forward. It's that's just the way it is. Now life. what's all good.
2: Now I'll just say it's part of life, you know, yeah. you. you, you know, Sometimes you know you 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 do certain things and then it just comes with obstacles, you know, and and you just gotta persevere because that's what comes with it.
1: And that's one of the parts that I hope that a lot of people in the audience, if you are going through the social equity licensing, if you're going through in your small business and you're only work with so much you can work, get or get ready with, as a business owner, if you're you know if you don't have all the capital, all the funding that's made available to you, and you're kind of still new to this, even just getting this started as an entrepreneur you know, if you have, you, you're you lucky to get the right people to work with you, the right people that you can contract to get the work done, to get everything up and set up and going, and then get the business you already had planned out that's going to work, get it to work. Now, one of the things that's really amazing as well is how, with cultivation, that you made the plan that the cultivation facility you have right now in Hyde Park, that you want to have full-on vertical integration down the line, and you are we're going to talk about in a minute about some of the brands you're going to be your log you've been launching now that are named that through neighborhoods in boston so we'll talk about that in a minute but now the path to cultivation you want to offer the facility as a shared space for other cultivators in the same way that uh, there's a mention of what's called the commonwealth kitchen does with food you know conversations with the model of the of what's called the commonwealth kitchen and applying it the cannabis growers so the idea that you have the building, you have the license for cultivation and that you want to be able to have where others can be able to go ahead and work off that cultivation and be able to go ahead and take the product you have there and also sell it.
2: Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, just me understanding the, the challenges that I had, you know.
3: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify.
2: going through the process and and uh, finally obtaining this, this license and you know this is not something for the for the faint for the faint-hearted right so um what i saw is that there is opportunity and there's a lot of individuals who, who are looking to get into cultivation who have creative ideas who have great products that they could put out only you know challenge is just really just having access to it so um, primarily most cultivation facility most manufacturing are, are in western Mass which is, you know, our, our plus of getting, you know, to, to get to. So, um, so I was, so I have some relationship with some politicians we have been having a conversation on how we just basically um, duplicate that same system that, you know, um, the Commonwealth kitchen is utilizing for small restaurants or, uh, of yeah. drug drivers, right. That we could implement the same thing in the cannabis industry. But, you know, as you know, there's a lot of challenge in politics and the, um, legislation that I have to change so we basically just you know still pushing along and trying to have this conversation with um with the right people to um to see if we could change the laws and change the um the regulations to ensure that um that we could have other people be able to utilize my license as a uh, my the facility as a as a shared facility to produce their product
1: it's so giving it it's so philanthropic and really just so generous to give those resources and really when everybody talks about you know diversity equity, inclusion it's part of where i always say this over and over it's representation that's based on merit and you also when you have somebody that's able to go and make it into a space and they have a particular sphere of influence for them that you want to make sure that, that the legacy that you've already brought on yourself continues so that's the idea of you know that you have other people within that are like-minded like you and you know, for underrepresented minority communities and bringing people into the fold and bringing them into the fold so if you're if somebody goes somebody else takes that spot and replaces it and you continue to keep that legacy up and going in perpetuity that's the the real thing that goes behind it now last month big story i want to think about this because i was amazed by this but that you know there's always the collaborations for those that are you know working with some pretty big celebrities to go and work on products and one wow you are working with method man who you know it's been a little while since he's done the rap game, but he's been acting. He's been doing a lot more work in the prolific rapper, actor, entrepreneur. One of the founding members of, of the Wu-Tang Clan. Now having a partnership with Key to roll out product, and specifically it's his Takao brand. So talking about that brand being brought in into Key and, and getting the part of that, that's a pretty big name and uh, you know, significant. You know, And what makes it stand out?
2: Yes. I mean, that, that was one of the things that we were going for. I mean, um, to me, cannabis is a lifestyle. I mean, it's part of the culture. It's something that since high school that I've been I've got introduced to it. So I, I wasn't a a, a, um, a huge smoker growing up, but that was something that I, I understood. Just listen to rap music and just listen, just being around it. So, right. It was definitely something that I know from you know just being an athlete, um, at Other athletes around me um, consumed. So it wasn't until that I, my last year playing, um, playing semi pro football, that I started consuming and I saw the benefits from it. And then it really, just like I said, intrigued me to it, to where when it became legal, that I dove into that industry. Um, so for me, I, I grew up, you know, artist. I grew up, I'm not an artist. I grew up a, a musician fan and, and listened to Method Man, listened to Wu Tang. So when I came, um, I went to Colorado, um, you know, just to really do some R&D in this industry so I could really understand what kind of business I'm getting into. Um, and I had some friends in Colorado who owns a cultivations facility. So while I was out there, I really just went to visit a lot of dispensaries, uh, cultivation facilities so I could really learn more and see how, you know, everybody set themselves apart. So I ended up purchasing the, the cow and i um, sent them a direct message and told them that, hey, I'm going to be opening up a store in Massachusetts soon. And. You know it'll be great for us to work together um you know soon to come and then you know we then did we buy back so we kept the conversation going and here we are and by the way uh the members of the Wu-Tang Clan I honestly
1: think one of the most underrated sure we could talk about Riza, working on movies and old Dirty Bastard when he was here you know be able to go ahead and just get on some major records and all but you know Method Man it just it's that direction it's like you know, plus. The evolution of his acting career, gotta say that too. David McLean on Power, great uh, or Power Ghost, love it. I watch all those shows, by the way. I'm addicted to it. Now, with that said, let's go ahead and move along into the fact of you've been doing the travels right now to continue to go ahead and gather up investment, and obviously for more growth. So, you know, you right now you're looking at what is the plan going forward in terms of where Loki Investor goes. Obviously, great model. You, know, you can work with the right people and now that you got the stores opening up you have the, the store right now in Dorchester already opening up what happens next?
2: yeah so next we are working on uh, potentially we had a you know cultivation license approved we have a second license approval as well in West Roxbury which which I consider to be the suburb of Boston mm-hmm. it's also like next to um, Dedham which is a, a suburb um you know uh next to um, Brookline Chestnut Hill um, you know, it borders those communities, um, Norwood, Westwood, Needham. So there's a lot of, you know, different communities that we want to tap into as well, to really just introduce them to, you know, the, to, to Cal brand and also our neighborhood trains you know, we, that we plan on putting out Blue Hill Dreams and the Dorchester Diesel, you know, just to really just give our neighborhood a representation, give the city of Boston a representation in the cannabis industry, which is something that I see that, that it lacks. And I've you known since I've, since I've, since I've been growing up in Massachusetts and Boston, you know, there's a there's always been like I said, the East Coast diesel that people used to be um, huge about. Um, you know, when, when I was growing up, the Hyde Park um high, I'm still not high Park Haze, the Haze, you know, that purple haze. Yeah. you know, we used to soak on on with, you know, from listening to um uh, um, you know, dipset. So a lot of times growing up listening to those those music and being able to be in a position to basically just recreate that um that atmosphere. You know, it's just something that, that you know, that I said, you know what? I want to be the person to bring that to life and really just, rep, you know, create that representation for the city. And I love what you're bringing up, the
1: Neighborhood strains. now. Introducing exclusive line of strains named after Boston Neighborhoods, embodying the unique spirit of its community. So you got two of them already being released right now. The Dorchester Diesel and the Mattapan Blue Hill Dream. So, you know, definitely different in, in, in you know how they're going to come across and how you, when you get a, get a pull of it and you get a chance to experience it. But also one being, uh, you know, paying homage to Dorchester. The other one is Mattapan which is a neighborhood known for a diverse mix of Caribbean, African-American, Haitian cultures coming alive in every puff. So I imagine if you go in puff and you're in Mattapan I imagine you probably get some great food down there. Some good takeout. I'd imagine.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, it definitely, <laughs> it, it, it's so rich with culture. You get so many. And, and, to us, that's one of the reason. um, another, another, re, uh, part of our marketing is to actually use utilize those strain, utilize that our uh, platform to bring in awareness to other small businesses, to, to you know, these food, you know, that, uh, that are great with some of these, uh, um, strains, right. To pair, to be able to pair them, like say, you say, Hey, you know, you're eating certain, you know, you, you got the munchies. what will be great. What would be a great taste, um, you know, to go with a particular strain, right. So we want to basically just utilize that and And partner up with other neighborhoods, other restaurants, and and create that
1: atmosphere. Fantastic. Jeff, I really like what you're doing here. uh, Again, just to roll back here, the fact you were overcome several obstacles, like here, this is the epitome of where, yeah, we've talked to uh, quite a few people that have gone through the social media licensing process, you know, black owned cannabis dispensaries. We've gone through a number of guests we've had on, you know, whether it's in DC or also in Massachusetts as well and just hearing these stories, but your story is so significantly different and special where it's the background, you know, determination, it's really, you know, where your ancestry comes from and the determination to make sure to persevere and make it through, through various obstacles, make it through and succeed. And you're doing that right now. And, And also you are giving back and you're also having to put other people forward. It's amazing. It's great what you're doing up there. And you know, all I can tell you is just, you know, a continue to have continue. But also, like what you're doing, Jeff, at Loki is also the bundles. So you're doing a thing where you have either bundles or pre ground or whatever, where you're doing, you know, two fours or, you know, either it's two for 40, two for 50, things like that. And you're getting set up with different products in here that it just, you know, it's a, the pricing is very commendable because I mean, when I look at it, it's very reasonable, and I'm so you know. Imagine that gets a lot of people to go ahead and make their way from wherever they are. If it is from Boston or somewhere else, they're they're making their way over to your shop.
2: Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we've we've had uh, you know from from our opening. I think our numbers have been you know we've been growing steadily since we since we've gone to full time hours in the beginning. We started off with limited hours, twelve to seven. Um, for uh, then about a month into it, we went to full time hours once we got acclimated. And, you know, we rolled out those uh, those bundle prices because, again, as I mentioned, um, we realize our community is really about the flower. So that's what's very important. That's what's important to them. You know, some you got some people, they really just focus on good flower for a good price. Some people, really, they're willing to pay a premium. So basically what we decided to do is just find out like, what's the best value. So we're able to provide the best value with the best price and just be able to make everybody happy with those costs.
1: Now, let's go ahead and leave it there. LowkeyDispensary.com. LowkeyDispensary.com. And now we know that you already have the shop already set up for Dorchester and you're also looking at West Roxbury. West Roxbury. Yeah. And is there, is it really, you got to just be the focus on Massachusetts in the meantime and just go with that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The focus is on Massachusetts right now. I mean, you know, we have, uh, you know, due to the delay that we faced last year. Yeah. I mean, with, with everything that's been going on. So the focus right now is really to stabilize these two stores um and then you know re- and then look into um new up-and-coming market as you know every market right now is, is pretty much in a shit show so we there's never there's you know we don't have anybody that there's not a, a particular state at this moment that um you know it's it's looking like a home run. so there is you know there's still everybody's still going through their trial and tribulations with right to so e and and not being regulated uh federally illegal so we're just taking our time and really focus on the market that we know and that we know we can be successful before we begin to grow, um playing anybody else's backyard. So we're just focusing on here in Massachusetts first. Uh, you're
1: getting it, getting it done. And I really appreciate you taking time out, letting us know about what's, what's going on over there. And all the best. Thanks so much for going to be on with us again, Jess Million, uh, co founder of the Low Key Dispensary in Dorchester, Massachusetts, and also being soon to be set up in West Roxbury, Massachusetts. Thanks for being on with us appreciate you thank you very much
2: thank you for the opportunity stay high live low key (laughs) we're clear that's a wrap how was that for you it was was wonderful thank you
1: awesome awesome i love your story and i mean you're it's done right and i'll tell you at least it's not so much that's the government that's kind of doing their own thing because i know in new york we're hearing enough stories of people that have to go through like so many obstacles oh no, we, we can't You, gotta, you gotta do a pop-up if you want to come on up and open up. yet. Yeah, but then we got to put you back on inspection and then we can let you open up. It's all these things that are being brought up that it's this constant, like it's a circle jerk and it sucks. But then again, you could also deal with what the I-71 folks in DC are dealing with, trying to open up the dispensaries there. And, you know, oh, we got to sell it as gifts. We can't sell them, you know, as particular as transactions. So it's all this here that's got to be a, a big mess. But I'm glad you made it through.